All right, everybody, welcome back to Lemons. I'm Andre McSwade. And I'm Brian Winston. And today we have a special guest. Uh, wow, comedy, you've been doing comedy for 40 years. I have. 40 years. Uh, Max Dolcelli, uh, you, you're comedy for 40 years. Like, talk to us a little bit about that. All right, well, I started back in 1979. I, um, Holy smoke. Yeah. I was born in 78. I was born in 78, too. I was one years old. Uh, <laughs> I was doing some little off-Broadway theater work. See, I never wanted to do anything when I was in high school as far as show business go. How about you? Did you, did you want to do? Well, you know what? I wanted to be a singer. And uh, and I wanted I played the piano when I was a kid. I wanted to play the piano and I wanted to sing like Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And then I then I found out that I was bad at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But well, like like man, I tell you, when I was a kid, I loved uh, Stevie Wonder. I, I loved Otis Redding. If I could, I just saw a, po- a, a poster somebody had uh, at a uh, place, uh, one of those antiques, a poster that had advertised in at the Paramount Theater. 1963, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, Wilson Pickett, and and uh, the, 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 who's the other guy? My, your love is lifted me higher. What the hell's his name? Oh, Jackie I'm Wilson. right on the tip of my tongue. Jackie Wilson. Yeah, that's right. Could you imagine? And you know how much it costs? Five dollars. Wow. Damn. You can't Otis get anything for five dollars right now. Otis Redding and Sam Cooke on the same bill. Could you imagine? Wow, I can't even leave my apartment for five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Somebody said, you know, you should start doing because see, when I grew up, I used to listen to comedians like you probably never even heard of this guy called Wild Man Steve. No, <laughs> I am Is he a wild man. Oh my! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> this is an example of a Wild Man Steve. Now you see, I grew up. You want to know how I grew up? You, how'd you grow up? Okay, I was born in Italy. Sono Italiano. Really? Posso parlare Italiano molto bene. I was born in Italy in, uh, and in 1958, uh, my father died when I was five years old mm. in mm. Italy, in La Spezia. And my mother put my sister and I in an orphanage. I'll never know to this day why she did that, but she claimed she had no money. But while we were in the orphanage, my aunt, who was living in America already, uh, arranged a marriage. And my stepfather came to Italy, married my mom, and brought us all to America in 1959. Wow. And we called him Papa Jimmy. And he was black. Wow. Wow. I grew up more black than Obama. Well, hell, damn. This is like the story of different strokes almost. I, I swear to God. It's the reverse. That's the my reverse ch- different strokes. I can send you photos of my childhood if you want with my with my stepfather and my mom and, you know, how I grew up. And so in my neighborhood, which I was like the only white kid, my sister and I, and my, we, we, you know, the, the, the people that lived around, they used to listen to party records like Red Fox. Yeah, and Wild Man Steve was a big popular party record guy, and he never swore, but this is the kind of jokes he would do. I am the Wild Man, and I'm with this lady, and we are in my apartment, and I'm getting down on her, and I looked at her and said, "Baby, in each one of these arms, I got six thousand pounds of dynamite." 
And she's laying there going, oh, show me more of that dynamite, wild man. Show me more of that dynamite. And I ripped off my pants. I said, in each one of these legs, I got 10,000 pounds of dynamite. And she looked at me and said, show me more of that dynamite. Show me more of that dynamite. And I ripped off my drawers, and she jumped out the window. And I ran. I said, baby, this is a wild man with all this dynamite. What's wrong with you? She said, that's what I know. But when you dripped off them drawers and I saw that little bitty fuse, I thought you were going to blow up any minute. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, man. That's the kind of joke he did. <laughs> you, you can Google him. You can Google wild man. Wild man Steve. Wow, man, he was very popular in the African American community. I'm surprised you never heard of him. I never heard of him. You know what? It it also, but it also gives me a little bit of insight into, uh, into who you are. Because I when I met you, I met you. Um, we did a show together in Connecticut Uh and uh, at the Stonebridge. And you walked in there, you blew the top off that place, man. That was a good night. That was a really, really good night. Like, you walked up there, you never, ever, ever stopped smiling, and you never, ever went a moment well, silent. Well, thank you. Well, that's, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of comedy I grew, I grew up in. Red Fox, you know, the, all them party records. And, and, you know, a lot of people in the African community uh, today, the younger people, don't know that. There used to be a lot of movies made that were just all African. You know, you remember, you know, do you know who uh, Mom's Mabley is? Okay, yes. her name was Jackie yes, I do. Mabley, you know. She was in a lot of movies. They they were just black movies that, you know, mm. and back there, like, like for example, you can Google it. Uh, the, the uh, what was it called? The, the uh, there's a, man, uh, you just Google Mom's Mabley and movies, and you'll see her in a lot of movies from the, 50s and 40s you know mm, so so like that was that was kind of like that was your that, that was my heritage that was comedy. my culture mm. oh that's awesome man that was my culture that's beautiful you know uh i i started i started here uh just 15 years mm-hmm. ago in new york city and i but it was a little bit of the reverse you know i sort of started through the mainstream, you know, what I guess what they would call the mainstream, uh, and I just I start. It took me a while before I got to playing those kind mm-hmm. of rooms. Do you think that like playing those kind of rooms yeah. first uh, made you like prepared you for right. anything else better? Well, you know, when I started, there were only about two hundred comics in the whole country. Now there are two hundred comics. That's just crazy. Apart. That you is know, and, and guys that I started with, like Seinfeld and Eddie Murphy and all those guys. And, and I tell you a story yeah. about Eddie Murphy. If it wasn't for Charlie Barnett, Eddie Murphy would have never been on Saturday Night Live because Charlie Barnett was chosen to replace Garrett Morris. And you know, you know who Charlie Barnett is, right? Yes. Yeah. But he couldn't read. He could not read uh, the. Uh, he had trouble reading, and uh, he learned how to read because he he. Uh, when I worked with him afterwards, I said, you know, he goes, I, I studied real hard. And he was in the movie uh, uh, DC Cab. Remember the movie DC Cab? <laughs> I remember DC Cab. He, yeah. Charlie Burnett was in yeah. that movie. And uh, and he was funny. Man, he could tear up. He used to be a street comic. He he used to work Washington Square Park in, in Manhattan. And when Charlie Barnett showed up at Washington Square Park, whoever was entertaining then would pack up and leave because Charlie would steal the whole entire crowd. 
He was wow. good. He was so, so street, good. He would uh, street comics that he would like go out in public and tell jokes. He would go out in public on the street and perform his money because when he passed the hat, sometimes I'd see him. I, he said, "Max, Max, you stick with me, man, because after this, I need I need you to help me get home because he didn't want to get robbed because people would rob him, you know." Wow. Wow. Yo, that's so funny in New York, man. That you, I don't think I've ever seen that in New York. Like you see like you see street performers who play a saxophone or playing a trumpet mm-hmm. or like dance or like dancing. Oh, Charlie but Barnett you know, you, and, and Rick Avilas was another guy that used to work the streets. He was good too. He was the bad guy in the movie Ghost. Remember the movie Ghost, the guy who killed Holy Smokes. The dude The dude that uh the, the Puerto Rican dude yeah, with the knife? That's Rick, that was Rick. He was a street comic in New York, and he was funny as hell. Wow. I, I wonder so, why you don't see that now. Well, like, on the, like, on the subway, like, again, you got people doing dancing, you got people singing, you got people begging, but you don't have anybody that's come on and tell a joke. That's going to be close to what we're going to be doing soon if this pandemic doesn't end. <laughs> hell's yeah. Well, you know this? You got a lot more hungry people than talented yeah. people. Interesting mm-hmm. out there, you know. So, like, you're gonna see a lot of people begging, you ain't gonna see a lot of people being talented. Yeah, no, college, I couldn't do them anymore because I'm, I'm like in my 60s now. But when I was younger, I do it, but now that can't really relate to 19, 20 year olds, you know. Yeah, so, like, how do you think, how do you feel the, the, the game has changed? Like, uh, from you said you started, you started working in 79 uh, when I, when I started first working. Started, the I, I did my audition. Rick Newman passed me, and then somebody said, "There's a club in Brooklyn, yeah. you know." And I, and so I drove up to Brooklyn that Tuesday, and when I went on, I the guy passed me right away. That was George Schultz's son, and uh, uh, the guy who owned the club. He he opened that club in 1962. That's crazy. He passed he you passed right, me away. right away. Because you know, I I just I I just did some stuff that I remember, because I was always trying to be funny. But I never thought about even doing it on stage until somebody said, "Why don't you do it?" So I went up to Catch Riding Star and I did it, and and I did pretty well. And what saved me? I went on stage. Remember Richard Belzer? He went to the yes. MC that night, and he came out and he said, "Number five. and I was number five, and he said, uh, "You're on next." And I said, "Okay." I, I said, "Okay," and I was real nervous. You remember the first time you went on stage? Um, it yes. felt like I it was, was in a different dimension. <laughs> You, you remember wow. that? You remember how Richard scary Belzer. it was? R.I.P. Richard Belzer. I my first time on stage was the most one of the most horrible moments in my entire Rabbit. life. I never felt like such a fool. Uh, <laughs> I went my first time on stage, and I, I I speak about it all the time. I never mention the club. <laughs> it was at the Laugh yeah. Lounge. The Laugh Lounge it used to be down yeah. on the Lower East Side, and uh, I called I called up and and I spoke to yeah. Delilah. And uh, and she's like, oh, have you, you know, you ever been on stage before? And I basically, I bullshitted my way into uh, well, that's getting what a we do. Spot. Comedians bullshit their way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I bullshitted my way. I had never written a set before. I had never you didn't, really. You didn't have your five I didn't minutes together. how to write a joke. <laughs> I didn't have my five minutes. When you went up there, your mind went blank, minutes. didn't it? You, you know what? My, my mind went blank. As soon as I walked into the place <laughs> and I saw that I was going up, I went up. Uh, who? Uh, David Tell was was on that. I know night. Dave. Oh man! And uh, I went up, and uh, I went uh-huh. up after him. 
Oh man. I went up after Dave. Yeah. And I got up there when they when I was walking up to the stage, everything just leaked. Everything uh-huh. was gone. I got up there. I had written two jokes that I yeah. thought were amazing. And I got up there and I did my first I did my first joke and it didn't hit at all. Uh-huh. It went Oof. silent. Then I I repeated the punchline because I almost felt like maybe, didn't hear maybe, maybe you didn't hear me. Yeah, I repeated the punchline. Crickets. I repeated it a third time. Crickets. My little brother was oh, sitting Lord. in the front row. My little brother was sitting there. He looked up at me and he just mouthed. He didn't say. He just pantomimed. He said, "You gotta <laughs> say something. Say something." And I floundered for another two mm-hmm. minutes trying to do crowd work as a new comic. Ooh. Yeah. And the host literally, he, he might have mm. well been the Sandman from uh, Apollo. He literally came to the edge of the stage and he was like, you're done. And he came on stage, took the mic, and then roasted <laughs> me. Yeah, he had for to. Like, he had what to. What happened with because For like two minutes. Because two, because two minutes of bad comedy is like two yeah, years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now the first time the first time I went up, Bel- Belzer brings me up because he said you're on five minutes and I and I and he, he did like 15, 20 minutes. I'm ready to walk out. And all of a sudden I heard my name. It sounded it sounded like it came from a tunnel. Like a hold and and all of a sudden yeah. I'm walking up on stage and I the audience was like it it looked like they were in a different realm. And I walked up there wow. and I'm trying to think, mm. what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? And I looked down, this woman saved me. I looked down in front of the stage. There was a woman sitting there with her boyfriend wearing the ugliest dress I had ever seen in my entire life. And yeah, I don't know good. what compelled me. Oh. I said, it probably took you two, three hours to get ready for tonight's date. You can come up with the audience exploded wow. with laughter and, if, <laughs> and everything evaporated. And then I went into my act oh. and it, didn't, it wouldn't, wasn't that good. But Rick Newman no. thought I, I did well enough to come back. Wow. Uh-huh. See, God did that. God did that. But let that me tell you about there. the first time I performed, the second time I performed on Pips. I, I, I got passed. He said, come back Wednesday night and we're going to give you $5. I said, $5 already? I'm going to make money doing comedy. $5. Yeah. <laughs> I saved that. I don't know what I did with it. I put it away for years and somebody stole it. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, <laughs> I went. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to go on stage. And John Mulroney was the MC, and I'm waiting to go on stage. And this Guido, you know what a Guido is? Yeah. Oh, I'm. And well, he looks, of course. Looks, so yeah. He's sitting there, and he looks over. He goes, "Hey, you on next?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna." Mm-hmm. He said, "You better be fucking funny, or you're dead." <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> That's so cool. And I, apparently, I was funny enough because he didn't kill me. Thank God! Wow, wow. So what? What was your favorite? What was your favorite uh, club? Well, to work. Oh man, probably the. What you know when the Comedy Cellar first opened, um, Bill Grunt. Yeah. I was. I was. I was. I used to work for him all the time down there. But I was there opening night. I was one of the opening night comics. And and es- Esty was just okay. a waitress, <laughs> and then she mm. became queen queen wow. mother or whatever. But uh, that wasn't. Re- I like the Comedy Cellar, but probably in Fort Lauderdale, the comic strip in Fort Lauderdale was my favorite club because it was always packed. 
and it always had young women. Spring break, all the spring break, all the guys would go to the titty bars, and the girls would come to the comedy club. And so, and so, what what makes a crowd a good crowd? I mean, obviously they're loud, yeah. right? But how, how did? But but like, can, can you know when you walk into a place whether it whether it, it's going to be a good crowd or not, or is it really well, depends you know on how you feel when you get upstage? Because you know, a lot of comedians they blame it on the crowd, but man, you know what? If you're funny, you're yeah. going to laugh. I mean, right? Yeah, and you have to. Yeah, I think that a lot that's of one thing. You have to know your crowd. If I'm working up in the Catskills, you know, in front of old Italians or old Jewish people, I'm going to give them what they want. Right. You know, but yeah. that's not really how you're going to make it in the business. Because when I first started, you know, when, when I f- first time I ever saw Sam Kennison, he, I thought he was so funny. You want to hear a funny story? Okay. Yeah. I was working down in, uh, I was working, I, I went out to LA to do a thing on, you know, this comic strip live thing on TV. And I went to the comic strip, I mean, the comedy store with uh, Lenny Schultz. Remember Lenny Schultz, Go Crazy Lenny? He was living out there. So yeah. we go in there and he see, he go, we go into the original room and Lenny said, Oh, this guy, you got to see him. He's crazier than me. And I went in there and I saw Sam Kennison perform for the first time. This is back in 82, 83. And, um, uh, and people were walking out on him because he was up there doing, you know, like, this is sad, fuck you, suck my dick, you know, screaming and yelling. And, and, <laughs> and I thought it was great because I'd never seen anything like that before. After his set, I went up to him. I said, hey, man, I love your shit. He goes, didn't you see everybody walking out on me? I said, not bad, man. I said, you're, I love your, your, your character up there, man. It's different. Yeah, I said, if you ever come to New York City, Look me up because I can get you some work. Because back then, in the eighties, I knew you know Blossos and Jerry Stanley. I said the money's not great, but I can get you some work, and I can probably get you you know at you know Catch Rising Star and all this. He goes, well, I don't know anybody in New York City. I said, well, you know me. He said, well, if I come to New York, man, I won't have a place to stay. And now this was before the internet or cell phones, and I don't know what can tell me. I said, well, yeah, you can stay with me. I thought I'd never hear from him again. So I gave him my phone number. I fly home. Two days later, I get a call. Hey, Max, this is Sam. And I thought, Sam who? I forgot. You know, I forgot. Mm. He goes, this is Sam Kennison. Remember you said if I ever come to New York City, I I can get some work. Uh, I said, yeah, how you doing, man? He goes, well, I'm in Kansas City. I said, great, you got a gig? He goes, no, man, I'm on my way. I'm ready to go. I said, what? Wow. I said, already? Said, yeah, <laughs> wow. Can I still stay with you? I said, um, yeah. Okay. I had to ask my wife. I said, honey, can this comedian? Because <laughs> I lived, I was living in New Jersey at the time, you know? And I had a house, but it had yeah. like an extra bedroom. And he goes, well, I got my girlfriend, Corey, with me. Can, can Corey stay too? I said, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. And my brother Kevin, and my brother Kevin, I said, holy shit, is there anybody else? What? <laughs> he bought everybody. Three of us, I said, okay. So he shows up the next day. Oh, that was a thing, man. Don't don't make those promises. I've taken people, I've taken yeah. a lot of people up on those promises. <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely. You know what? One thing, one thing I realize also, too, like every time I hear stories about uh, the comedy 
the comedy world, the comedy environment, like back in the day, like there was yeah. a lot more camaraderie. You know, there was a lot more people were so yeah. supportive of each other. It's like, hey, you know what? Come to my house, crash on my couch. I was lucky enough to meet a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. in my time that were like that. But it sounds like it was so much yeah, more that was. way. Uh, what What do you think? That, know, what is it man. that changed? You know, I, I, I let him stay at the house for months couple months in there. Wow. And, uh, his brother so, Kevin so, slept so on This is couch. a legend. And Kevin, by the way, Kevin sadly yeah. is his brother that committed suicide right before Sam became big. And Kevin oh, was the only good looking mm. innocent brother. He was, he was a good looking kid and he wanted to be an actor but he had problems. And, yeah. and Sam, uh, and that brought Sam to all the clubs in, in New York and, and they liked him. Uh, some people didn't like him. I mean, I remember Ricky Rich Messina saying, Nobody will ever buy that shit. But, you know, but but the point is about comedy, if you want to make it big, you got to find your character and your personality and your own voice. Your voice. Because if you're going to do what I did and sell out, when I worked cruise ships, I did all clean stuff. I gave them what they wanted. When I'm working a club in New York City, I give them what they wanted. But if you're going to make it, yeah. Give them what you are, and they're in the finally, and eventually, you're going to get a following. Right. Eventually, you're going to get a mm. following. If you're funny, you're going to get a following. People will follow you instead of giving them, and you following the yeah. audience, you're going to, they're going to follow you. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. It may, yeah, because oh, yeah, it's really be, it's, it's like finding, um, finding your voice and finding your authenticity. That's right. Right. And I think that's a hard that's a hard journey. That's a hard journey. I think that that's a journey that we all sort of um, we uh, we walk yep. every day with everything. Just sort of like trying to like figure out like who you are, uh-huh. where you are, where you're going. Like that was one of my biggest struggles uh, in comedy. And you know what? I really, I really, really, really enjoyed doing com- comedy. Was one of the things that I loved more than anything else. I loved more than well, women, booze, partying. <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on. What, what, are you talk, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what, what? Did I say something no, wrong? I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm completely 100 with that. I'd rather, you know what, when you get off stage, if you don't have a good set, you don't feel like a woman. Right. Yes. There's this something about, like, I can remember I can remember the first time that I had an amazing set. I can remember the first time that I felt like a comic yeah. on stage and there's nothing that ever t- touched that feeling afterwards. Nothing. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, the birth of my kid. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I got married. But it's just, you know, it's something very, very uh, and the thing is different. But the other thing about, about comedy that too is, you know, when I when young comics when they bomb on stage, you know, I said, you know, and they do great. That's that's wonderful. You feel good. You feel great. But when you bomb, yeah, you know, they come off and they're down and all that. I said, no man, you know what? This is when you learn. When you bomb is when you right. learn because when yeah. you bomb, that doesn't leave your head until the next time you do well. And you put it together in your head. And you put yeah, that, that whole set. When you do great, you get off stage. Oh, man, I did great. You know? But when you bomb, that's when you learn. So never take it as a negative. Take it as a positive. 
Right. Oh yeah. Fail, uh-huh. fail, fail hard. Which is hard. Which you know, is I, you know, the, it's hard to do that. I think in anything, especially comedy, because it's it seems like the stakes yeah. are so high, right? Like I think I think human beings are we're like we're like kind of conditioned to want to want to want people to uh-huh. like us and to want people to accept yep. us. And you got to think, I, I think Joe Rogan may have been talking about this, that when you're a comic, you're trying to get a very specific response from people, right? That laughter yep. response, right? And it's hard to get that laughter response when people are expecting the, the expecting it. Like the, you go up on stage and people are expecting to get that very specific response, right? And it makes it so so like uh so like taxing and so like stressful to try to get this 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 response because you think there's a there's i think we're wired this way we're wired for acceptance because the way it used to be back in you know back in caveman days is like yo if you say the wrong thing we kick you out the group uh-huh. and you die. <laughs> right <laughs> wow that's a, that's a, that's a, you're right. you, you say the wrong thing right we kick you out yeah. the group what happened to Brian? Yeah, he grunted Boy, the wrong like way. That <laughs> uh-huh. That's his bones out back. Right. right. I think we're still kind of wired that way. If we if we say the wrong yeah. thing or stand out in the wrong way, we're going to get kicked out the group. We're going to die. Even though it's not, yeah. that's not a reality anymore. I think we're still kind of yeah. wired that way, man. Well, you know, yeah, that, no, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think the first time that I – what it took for me to get over – bombing and start seeing it uh differently i got to a point where i yep. started looking forward to bombing wow. yeah because i felt like i felt like okay it's like when you paint your, your painting and you paint yourself into uh-huh. a corner it's like how the fuck am i going to get out of this it was kind of fun i bombed one time seriously wow. I bombed for three hours Ooh, my God. i i was in salt lake city at a place called Moe's. uh uh, Salt Lake City, like downtown, you live in that like, area? right by the Red Lion uh, Hotel. Oh, cause, cause no, I, I was that, just out there. I was just out there working. Oh, oh yeah. yes. I, a matter of fact, I saw Again, you. I, sold, I saw I you. sold out. Yeah, I, I, I um, did what they, you know, the whole clean thing, you know. Yeah, where was like, and they they recorded. No, they, they recorded, no, they recorded, recorded Lake, right? Like Drive Bar and then from Salt Lake. So now. Yeah, Provo. Okay, not far. Yeah, but yeah, I was I uh-huh. bombed. I was playing a place called Moe's. It was me and one other comic. Uh, that comic did the first. I did three shows in a row, and just yeah. and completely fucking bombed. I was just like, I was at a point where I started to get a little bit of, a little bit cocky, and I liked. I I didn't care uh-huh. like whether I was prepared uh-huh. or not. And uh, yeah, and that was that night yeah. changed my life. That night changed my life. It made me. I yeah. feel like bombing made me creative. It made me resourceful. Um, it taught me to connect with the crowd. Comedians are we're insecure. You want to hear a great story about how insecure yeah. comedians are? You you know yeah. you you know who yes. out in Georgia, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, Honor George. Uh, yeah, back they had around nineteen, yeah, the late late nineties. I was uh, I used to work cruise ships. I work a lot of cruise ships, and I just got off the cruise ship, and I get a call from the owner of Pips, who was Mike, Mike, whatever his last name was at the time, before uh, uh, Ray Garvey took over, and uh, Ray Garvey was the bartender then, and I get a call. He goes, "Hey Max, uh, 
I need a comic. That was a Saturday night. I just I just got off the ship that morning, and I just you know it was in New York, and and uh, because I need a comic tonight to to uh, I said oh Mike right I just got off the ship. I'm really because oh damn I need somebody to open for Otto, and you know I don't usually open, but when he said I need somebody to open for Otto, I thought holy shit, I get to see Otto and George, and I get to make 150 bucks, you know, and because Otto and George, you know, mm. you've seen Otto and George before, haven't you? That the guy, oh, yeah. just blows oh, the yeah. audience away. Yeah. But Otto, without George, is very insecure, you know. So anyway, okay, so I took the gig. So I drive to Brooklyn to Sheepshead Bay, and I park on Evans Avenue, and I walk up to the club and. The the owner was standing outside, and, and Ray Garvey, the bartender, and the other act, and uh, the opening act actually, and and or the MC, I forget who it was, and there was another guy. We we're all standing around in front of Pips talking, and um, and there was this Guido looking guy, this freaking wacko guy, was pacing back and forth from Pips to Joe's clam bark, back to Pips, and he's talking to himself, but it's Brooklyn. So you really, you see it, but you, you know what I mean? It's not unusual. You know what I'm talking about? This guy was like yeah. angry at something. He's pacing oh, yeah. back and forth. All of a sudden, this taxi pulls up, and Otto gets out of the taxi with his bag with George, and he's walking towards the club. Well, luckily, this guy was at Joe's clan bar, and he sees Otto, and he runs over to him. At this point, Otto is at the club next to us, you know, and he sees them. And he was going to kick the shit out of him. Yeah. And he goes, you, you motherfucker. Last night I was here with my friends and you made fun of my mother in front of my friends. I came here to kick your ass. And, and Otto goes, well, what, what, what do you, you know, Otto was like, really like, what, what are you talking about? I don't remember what are you talking about? He goes, what do you mean you what I'm talking about? Last night, I was, don't you remember we were sitting up front and you were making fun of my mother? It wasn't you. That fucking puppet was making fun of my mother. Freaking piece of shit! How to freaking rip your head off? And Otto's, you know, I don't, I don't remember what, what, what I, you know, what are you talking about? And he goes, you piece of, don't you remember? And he goes, if it wasn't for your friends around you, I'd rip your fucking skull out, shit down your throat. And and Otto, like, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm really sorry. I just don't remember. And the guy goes, fuck you, you piece of shit. And he starts to walk away. And I swear to God, Otto said, well. Did you like the rest of my show? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. my jaw dropped. The guy turned oh. around, didn't even know what to say. That's how insecure like we are. Oh. Except for the except for the part about me making fun of your mom and t- basically tearing your night did apart. You, yeah. Did you like the rest of my Did I you did? like Was the rest of my You know, when you yeah, walk can off I get stage some feedback and a from thousand you? people come up to you and say, you were the funniest person in the world. We loved you. In fact, here's my daughter. I want you to impregnate her. That's how funny you were. You know, you're mm-hmm. like the bit. And then one person, all they have to do yeah. is say, eh, you were okay. That's who you focus on. That's who you focus on. Oh, yeah. On. That would always destroy me. That would always destroy me, man. I remember uh, I was on stage. I was in, I was in Indiana. And this group of women sitting in the front. I did. I used to do some pretty. I used to do some pretty irresponsible fucking. Shit. <laughs> like what? And uh, uh, I did. I had a. I had a joke that I used to love to do about. Um, <laughs> it was a domestic violence joke. And uh, 
it was a domestic violence joke, and it was something like, um, yeah, you know, I'm divorced. You know, I was in an abusive relationship. You know, I can't, I can't believe that I stayed with someone yeah. so long. You used to make me beat them like that. And that's terrible. And that's... yeah, and it's this group of women that was sitting right up front <laughs> in this bar. They were so pissed. They were so pissed, and um, and they went off on me for the whole rest of my set. Like it was me, literally. It was oh, like they, Lord. it was like they verbally jumped me. Wow. Yeah, and it it almost kind of, it like kind of destroyed it destroyed my oh. set because now I'm at the point where I'm like, holy shit, what I said was really horrible, and I'm like, hey, listen, now I'm trying yeah. to tell the audience <laughs> that I'm a good person, but it's comedy. Yeah, it's satire. Yeah, I'm like, you should have you should have challenged it is, it her is. to a wrestling match like Andy oh, Kaufman. Andy, <laughs> Andy Kaufman started that pitch too. He did. In fact, wow. there's a video on really? YouTube somewhere, the real Andy Kaufman, and you'll hear him talking about Pips when he used to perform at Pips, and he loved it because they used to make him ice cream, an ice cream sundae or something like that. Hmm. Holy smokes! So, if you had, if you had to give a upcoming comic one, like one, like like one measure of advice, be yourself. Like, what would be, be you, even more so. Be yourself, but more, more. Be, okay. be an exact like a, like a uh, caricature of yourself. You know, just, but don't, don't try to be anybody mm-hmm. else because it's already they've already been taken. And people will follow you if you if you got it and just keep writing, keep writing. And don't be afraid to try something like when you know when you did that. Don't be afraid to do that. Do it, do it because you know what, it could get a yeah. big laugh and be part of it. And then you just keep working on it. You know, mm. what's the one thing that you uh, would never thing, do? For I would a never laugh? suck a dick for less. <laughs> okay, <laughs> blowjob is just, hilarious. Maybe That's just the one. But the... <laughs> what if it's a what if it's a funny looking dick? Like, a di- like you know, uh, what, I mean? like, <laughs> what would I never do? Well, you know, like I said, the way I grew up, I don't do racial jokes. Although back in the old days, I used to do uh, yeah. jokes about gays. But everybody did, you know. And Okay, I'll tell you. You want to hear another story? Yeah. I've been doing this a lot. Of I was working down in Charleston. Yes. You remember Red Fox? I, I worked with Red Fox a couple of times. Yes, I, of course. I worked with him at Club Bonanza. I know. I in this club. We worked like, and there was a, um, I used to do a joke. This was my joke. It wasn't offensive at the time because people laughed. Remember MC Hammer? can't touch us that was a really popular song remember all right now i used to do a joke and this was the joke i'm walking down a beach in fort lauderdale and there was a woman on the beach big woman big 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 shading the whole right side all the way down my head huge thousand pounds i said there was a thousand pound woman sitting on a beach wearing a t-shirt that said you can't touch this i walked up i said thank you that, oh wow! That's all the joke was, and oh. that's the only time I I said anything about fat people, right? After the show one night, yeah, I um, I'm at the bar, and this woman, this big woman, after the show comes up to me. She was a big woman, and she said, she said, "You shouldn't make fun of fat people." 
And I looked at it, I said, where do I make fun? Because, you know, my whole act, you know, I said, where do I make fun of fat people? She goes, what about that woman on the beach? What about her? I said, oh, yeah. ma'am, really? Come on. And, 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 and I said, that was made well, up. I said, everybody laughed. Did you hear everybody laugh? Because I wasn't <laughs> laughing. And you shouldn't make fun of fat people. And I said, yeah. You know, at this point, you know, you ever do this with an audience? You ever apologize, but you don't really mean it? I said, well, I'm really sorry if I offended you. Yes, all the and she time. Goes, well, you, that's not good enough. You shouldn't make fun of fat people. I said, you're absolutely right. I will take that bit. I, I'm lying. I'm lying. I said, I'll take it out of my act. You know, even though it gets a big laugh, she goes, well, it shouldn't get a laugh because it's offensive. You shouldn't make fun of fat people. I said, you're right. And I'm like apologizing to her. And she just kept going. And, and to the point where she's in my face and spitting on me. So, and, and I just wow. had it. I said, yeah. she said one more time. I said, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. She goes, well, you still should not make fun of my people. And at that point, I snapped. I said, look, lady, first of all, I just jumped back at her. I said, in that one joke, I was talking about a thousand pound person, a thousand pounds, not even realistic, not even in your league. What are you, five, six hundred? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought she was going to kill me. She got all ready and started screaming. And- yeah, it gets, it gets <laughs> crazy. But, Joe, you're going to, like, listen, I mean, the response that I thought would be maybe you should yeah. be in comedy clubs, right? That's what the thing is. You're going yeah. to, like, that's what comics are doing. Comics are taking, and they, listen, I'm not a comic, but what I, but I, uh-huh. I'm a, I love comedy. And from what I see of comic, comics is they're making light of yep. difficult situations. That's what it really is. You're taking confusion. You're taking things that are ugly, and you make, you make light of difficult situations. So this person's morbidly uh-huh. obese, right? And we're making yeah. light of the fact that this person's morbidly obese. That is, that's what comedy is. And, and sometimes, sometimes you do, you end up, you end up in a, in a shitty situation between a rock and a hard place. I, I'll tell you a story right now. I used to do another bit I used to do, and this is horrible. You know, sometimes I look back, I look back at who I, who I am, who I have been as a person. I used to do, I did a bit about AIDS. Uh, it was really shitty. And you know what? Anybody that hears this, I'm not this person. Tell it. Tell it. Tell it. What's the joke? So the, the, the joke the joke basically ended. It was like, uh, this is like years ago. It was like, well, you know, when life gives you AIDS, uh-huh. make lemonade. <laughs> and uh, I remember that. This, this, woman, this woman came up to me after the show and said, I found that offensive. I have AIDS. Oof. Uh huh. You see how you see how we everything yeah, is silent. Yeah, now. I That's get how that, but happened. she's in a yeah. comedy yeah. club. Yeah, yeah. You you win some, you lose some. Yeah, I mean, you 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 run the risk of being offended if you go to a place yeah. where there's someone who's gonna tell jokes, and and they're gonna be offensive jokes. They're go- this like like yeah. how are you? It doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Like, listen, how could I can't go to a Klan rally and be like, I can't believe how racist you all are. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is ridiculous. ridiculous. The amount of racism that's happening here. I mean, it, yeah, that's what it's kind of for, right? I don't know. Favorite saying was, "Not yeah. tell me because you grew up yeah. in a black body." I put my foot up your ass. Yeah. 
Did you get that too? My no, dad would say that all the time. I, I think, right, yeah. I got I got so many promises to have a foot up my ass my entire life. That's from multiple people too. Sometimes it wasn't just your dad. Was that a black thing? Was that just a black thing? That's uh-huh. definitely threats were definitely a no, black parent. I bet, thing. I bet, yeah. Okay, I, I bet you because I think most of our differences are not skin color differences. I think that most of our differences are socioeconomic differences. I would I would bet you well, that if you went to a trailer, oh. so if you went to a trailer park and you listened to a to a trailer uh-huh. park yeah. dad talk to a trailer park son, I'm sure you've heard he he said something about sticking his foot in his ass. It's a cult. It's definitely a cultural. It's a cultural difference, and cultural uh-huh. kind of it tra- that transcends yeah. race. Uh-huh. But a lot of black people yeah, down in know, that culture. But you, you know when I was saying. growing up, I'm tell you, my everybody and I had some genius neighbors. My aunt Lil was brilliant. My cousin Dottie, but you know what? They couldn't do anything. My dad was a janitor. He when he worked the Bell Labs in New Jersey. I just told people my dad worked at Bell Apps. I didn't tell him what he was, but he was a janitor. But that's all he could be was mm-hmm. a fucking janitor. All my yeah. aunt could do, who was genius smart, yeah. was clean clothes. For the, she called them the, right, the rich white women on the hill. You know? And you want to hear something really profound? Mm-hmm. This is my yeah. aunt Lil on her deathbed in the hospital. You know what she said? She goes, I can, I can, I can die in peace because this morning, a white woman wiped my black ass. That's what she said. That's what she said because that's how tough it was wow. back then. They, they didn't have no, you know, you know, if you watch television back in the sixties, yeah. And I used to hear this complaint all the time. I never, you never saw, you know, the only time you saw black actors were on the Ed Sullivan show, unless they were like a maid or a, or a or a freaking yeah. butler or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's, everybody. Uh, was story. When I was yeah. eight years old, I joined the Cub yes. Scouts. I joined the yes. Cub Scouts because I want. I wanted to, you know, join the Cub Scouts. They put me in on the in the den on the other side of the tracks. I, the town I lived in had a rich white section way on the hill. They called it, you know, the hill people or whatever. Which, anyway, they put me in the den on the other side of the tracks. Now I'm eight years old. I used to walk this eight nine blocks every Tuesday to go to the den meetings. Now, I never saw this before because I grew up poor in Italy and then we came to America. We lived in a a house with one bed bathroom and, you know, just this woman had more than one bathroom in her house and all the kids that were all the other, the kids in the Cub Scouts were all white kids and I'll be honest with you, I liked it. I liked being part of that because you know, she baked cookies and everybody was nice. There's no cussing, yeah. no swearing. And, you know, they had more than one bathroom and everything was clean. I said, holy shit, this is, I like this a lot. And I used to walk it for about eight or nine, ten weeks. Yeah. I, I, I walked there to den meetings. Maybe it was about two or three months. I forgot what it was. But I did it every Tuesday. And I like, and I like being part of that. I like being white, you know, and. One Tuesday was raining. She yeah. called all the parents up, yeah. and and Papa Jimmy came to pick me up. And when he got to the door, the expression you can see. She goes, she said, "I think you're at the wrong house." She goes, he said, "No, I'm here to pick up my 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 boy Massimo. Massimo was my my name, my, not Max. You know, 
Massimo. And she looked at me. She yeah. goes, is this man your father? I said, yeah, that's Papa Jimmy. And she says, oh. And I left. They transferred me out of that den that week. I got transferred wow. out of that den. And they put me in another den. Mm. Uh, Mrs. Wilson, there's black den on Cook Avenue. But it just broke my heart. And Papa Jimmy knew. But and that's just one example of probably a hundred yeah. stories that I have about racism. Yeah, that that's crazy, man. You know what? You're and you're. Uh, I live in New England in, now, uh, but I grew up in Jersey. In New England, right? Jersey. Yeah, I was. I was just. Uh, I was just up in uh, uh-huh. Maine. My wife's from Port, from uh, Belfast, Maine. So we just drove back down from Maine. Uh, this uh-huh. weekend, we stopped at uh, we stopped at a truck stop. Went in to get some food. I walk, I walk up, and I stand on the line. They watch me stand on the line. When I get to the front of the line, uh, the guy, the guy behind the register, I look at him and say, "Okay, you know, like uh, I want to, you know, I want a milkshake. I want this. I want that." Wow. The guy looks at me. He said, "He goes, I'm not taking any orders." Yeah. So my wife, my wife's pissed off. You know, and my wife is just, she is like, do you want me to yell at them? And I'm like, no, baby, you ain't got to yell at them. Uh, so another, a white guy that was standing behind me, uh-huh. he walks up to the register. Wow. And just orders. They, he take, they take his order. Yeah. And, uh, and my wife is like, oh, my God, I can't out. believe this. I can't believe this. And I'm like, no, no. Oh, absolutely. But I got on another line, and the same guy ended up um, uh, taking my order at a different register. And uh, he's like, yeah, so, you know, what would you like? Gave him my order. Food is ready. Um, I said, uh, yeah, I was like, dude, I was just standing over there and you told me you couldn't take my order. And he, like, rolled his eyes and, like, you know, like, you know, did did Uh that. And I was like, you know what? Get my French fries, bitch. (laughs) Now it's your wife, wife. Get your face, bitch. Get my French fries. When I was growing yes. up, I remember yes. when there were Ex- confrontations. Extremely white. <laughs> my mother would be yelling and screaming. And, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times people would walk up to us in public and see us as a family. And you mind if I say it and point to us or my mother yeah. and say, nigger lover? Oh, yeah. But my mother would say, and Papa Jimmy would always keep yeah. quiet because he knew if he raised his voice or started something, he would get arrested. He would. Wow. He would have gotten arrested back then. Oh yeah, know? we, me and my wife. Yeah, and you know it's not, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, and I feel like a lot of people today haven't really experienced it. Uh, my wife has experienced it a lot through me, and she said that she didn't. She never saw yeah. any part of that world until me and her started dating. You know, so um. Yeah, I know. You know, it's yeah, it's definitely it's very prevalent still, and uh, you know, we got we got yeah. some ways to go, but we'll get there. We'll definitely get there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's it's just a matter of uh, even in the comedy you know, world, people die. You know, black comics had a hard time getting gigs. It's not as bad now. It's a lot better. Than, yeah, but I remember black comics complaining about not being able to get gigs here and there, and or even television. You know, and. And some of the funniest guys in the world, like Flip Wilson, man, they were. And and I tell you, and don't don't hate me for this yeah. one. Bill Cosby was funny. 
Yeah, he's and a legend. Cosby. Oh, don't oh, don't get it twisted. I love I love Bill Cosby. Thousands of comics that you see now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, like I I love Bill Cosby. Hey, you know, I I'm not going to stand behind them. Okay, you know, I'm going to uh, say, you know, I don't like, know hey, Bill Cosby stole some pussy. All right. I don't know what the truth is. Exactly. I don't know. But Bill Cosby, he was is was an amazing. He's an amazing. amazing. I mean, listen, and and let's say, yeah, and let's say worst worst case scenario, he did all that shit, right? He did everything they said. Worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Even still, then you can't take away that he created oh, that man, Cosby show, great. man. And then and 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 the, what he was able to what he was able to do on that stage was such a big influence to so many people. Um, what can he be an awful person who did awful things to people that was unfair and wrong? Yeah, we could, we could definitely say that, right? Some people could definitely. We don't. We don't know what. Yeah, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. But all I right, Brian, Brian, we get it. But, we get it. But, okay. Listen, I I mean, but but we can't take away what he created. You're right. I said I don't know what, what the truth is because, but I do know one thing. I know Sam Cook was murdered. It wasn't an act. Some 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 woman in at the, that motel didn't shoot him. He was oh, murdered. Oh yeah, yeah. Shit is fishy. Shit is. Shit. Yeah, when you hear that story, yeah. that story is weird, man. It don't. It don't. It's like it's it's like a piece. So much. It don't add up. A piece Just to so that much. story that's important that's missing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, you know, we just got to keep on. We just got to keep on fighting the shit, man. Uh huh. You know oh, you want to hear? Mask, you want to hear? You like mine. you were talking about jokes you can't do anymore. Probably one of the funniest jokes yeah. I've ever heard. In fact, yeah. when Flip Wilson did it on the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson said that is the funniest punchline I've ever heard. But you can't do this joke anymore. You want to? You want to hear the joke? You probably you probably heard the joke. Yeah. You you know Flip Wilson, right? <laughs> yes. Oh. Remember the ugly baby joke? Love Flip Wilson. You never heard the ugly baby joke? Okay, go on YouTube, Google I heard Flip it. Wilson Ugly Baby on the Tonight Show. I can tell you the joke now, but it's probably better if you if you if you watch it. I wanna yeah, hear it. Yeah, I wanna hear okay. it. You wanna, I wanna hear, hear the, baby, hear the ugly baby joke? version of it? Okay. Woman walks yeah. onto a train with a baby. Ugly baby. Ugly. <laughs> Ugly baby. And she's looking for a seat. And this drunk sees the woman with the baby and looks up and says, Damn, that's an ugly baby. Woman said, Did you just say something? Drunk said, I'm sorry, lady, but you got an ugly baby. Lady gets pissed off, runs over to the end of the train, pulls the emergency cord, train comes to a complete stop. Conductor comes running in from the other cars. What's going on? What's the problem? Everybody okay? Is everybody okay? Lady says, I'll tell you what the problem is. This drunk insulted me. I don't need to spend my money and ride your railroad to be insulted by drunks. Conductor said, we're going to take care of it. We're going to take the drunk off the train. In fact, at the next stop, he is off there. He's gone. And for you to make you happy, we'll bring you into the dining car. We'll give you a free meal, compliments of the railroad. And maybe we'll find a banana for your monkey. <laughs> <laughs> now you I love can't that do shit. that joke anymore because I think for that two reasons. First of all, funny. you can't make fun of ugly babies. Yeah. And immediately people think it's a black woman because the, the yes. monkey thing. You know? Black. 
Of course. But why, but, but why can't you make yeah. fun of ugly babies? Bro, nah, it's not right. What you mean, ugly babies? That is the one babies. of the funniest punchlines I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nah, that is pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Hey, Max, I know... I know you had only you had limited time. Oh yeah, I gotta you go know, pick up my shirt. We get into that. We get into that. Uh, you know. Yeah. All right. So, hey, you know what, man? This this was pretty great. I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, you that just you, you, I, I, you did it because you, you you felt sorry. For and uh, yeah. This no, was, no, really. I'm not. I'm not paranoid. <laughs> I'm not paranoid. I'm so <laughs> no. You know what? You know it's crazy. Actually, actually, I was driving with my wife. And we were talking, and uh, and my wife was like, we were talking about guests, and my wife was like, what about what about that dude uh-huh. next? Because she was there with me at uh at uh that place in Connecticut. Yeah. And now she you know like, a lot more about me funny. than you did like, before. Yeah, he was. He was really fucking awesome. That's right. That's right. And I hope. Hey, yeah, I hope. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send you some pictures you of again sometime soon. It is gonna blow you away. My mother. Not a, not if it wasn't bad enough that I was the only white kid in the in the neighborhood, but she made me play the fucking accordion. Oh Lord! Oh wow! Yeah. That's oh crazy. damn! She made me play damn. the accordion. <laughs> damn. Mm. And then you had uh, she, you, she wanted yeah she abused she wanted you to get a footing ass <laughs> and then she had you play that accordion and abuse other people. I sent you a picture of me my. <laughs> My uncle John, Papa Jimmy, and my mom—we're all, we're all, we all have accordions. And Papa Jimmy used to play the guitar. It's kind of funny. It, it's almost like a, you know, like because everyone was black except for me and my mom, you know. But I'll send, I'll send you pictures. You'll see. Oh, all right. Well, it was, love it was a pleasure talking to you guys. I hope I see you both again. I hope I don't awesome. think I ever met Brian, right? Brian, yeah, Brian is actually Brian's not a, a comedian. Brian is a coach. He's yeah. a business coach, performance coach. Oh no, um, yeah. So that's why he sounds <laughs> so, so rational. So Brian, oh no, tell me, tell me what do I need to do to improve myself? <laughs> I, know, uh, I know what I you do want. Know what I want. I want to be happy. All right, then there you go. That's in. <laughs> you don't need to do anything I for am that. Happy man. I, after after forty, you know this <laughs> pandemic thing. I, I spent forty years of my life on the road, literally on the road. You know, on ships or somewhere in the country. This past six mm. seven months, yeah. although I'm not working, I've only done four shows. I love being home. I really love being home. And right. you know, we put away. We put away. My wife. My wife makes good money. She makes good money. So we're doing okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that, man. You know, awesome. and I love being home. Awesome. I, I miss yeah, so much. Things in perspective. All you know? those years, I miss so much. Yeah. You know, watching my kids grow up. You know, right? Yeah. All right. It's a lesson yeah. we all learned this year. Yeah. Love you too, man. All right, man. Hey, I'll talk appreciate to you. Later. Brian, you. Love face, you, man. Hey, Brian, we'll be a Facebook and, friend. Uh... Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. We'll be Facebook friends forever. <laughs> Until I until I, I po- until I post something that offends you, then you'll block me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we will be friends for never. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you guys. Thank you, thank you for having me on. Hi, right, Max. All right, brother. Of course. Appreciate you.
All right, Dre, so you want to wrap it up, man? Yeah, yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah, that was good, man. Dude, man. Yo, he's, he's a good, good dude. He's a good guy. dude. Like, he's dog. a young spirit. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched him. I watched him rock that day, and I just knew. Oh. I just was like, yeah, he's a different kind of dude. Um, yeah, good dude. That was good. All right, man. That was good, man. That was real good, man. Lemons, lemons is fucking getting. <laughs> lemons is getting lit. <laughs> maybe, maybe next week She's we'll talk lit. about climate change. <laughs> Nah, you know what though? I do kind of yeah, like. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Like around. We're not gonna talk about that. I like it, the it, it'll, it'll come up eventually, maybe. You know but what yeah, I mean? it's good just to have guests on, man, and people we enjoy talking to. Yeah, man. You know what, man? Because I, you know, I, I listen mm-hmm. to our discography and shit, right? And uh, you know, I'm like, damn, like it was some pretty heavy shit. It was some pretty heavy topics. You know, politics, yeah. racism. Um, yeah. You know, it got pretty heavy. Uh, I like, you know, like I want to yeah. make the people happy and shit. I want to, I want to talk about things that aren't so fucking gloomy well, and so so cloudy and shit. Like let's let, let's bring right. some let's bring some joy to the people. Not saying that we not saying never talk about those things, but also like let's right. like but that's the whole idea of lemons, right? We, we, I mean, I think today we talked about today we talked about racism and that, that you know, but it's just a way of looking at yeah. It's just in a different way. We're not it talking was in a different about way. it. It's, it's not so heavy like you like you're yeah. watching CNN or BBC or listening to Fox News or whatever the fuck you listen to. It's like, you know, it's a different perspective on it, and it's making it's making light of difficult times. I think that's really about a lot of what, what Lemons is about as well, man. So I think it fits. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, you guys go check out uh, Max Dolcelli if uh, you know you. you you catch uh if you you could catch him somewhere like in your area, you know he's always touring. Check him out on social media. I wish he would have right. gave me his social so media tags. Maybe we can put it on that. Like, maybe um, we can maybe put we can... him out. If I can find him, maybe yeah, I put, put him on, on our Instagram on page social, on our social media page. Right. Yeah, super funny dude. Um, but yeah, you know what? That's it, man. You've been listening to Lemons. I'm Brian Winston. I'm Andre McSween. 